Our readings this morning come from the book of Acts, chapter 18. The first reading is verse 1 through 4, which you can find in your pew Bibles. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade the Jews and Greeks. Our second reading comes from the same chapter in Acts, verses 18 through 28. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centrea because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. The word of the Lord. The best things that I have learned in my life have most often come from other people. I mean, I've read books and I've heard talks and been workshops and had certain experiences, but my best lessons, I think, have come from people who have taken me under their wing and invested in me and taught me. And this has brought just immeasurable richness to my life. Among the many significant people who were vital to the growth of Christianity in the first decades of the Christian movement, as we read about it in the book of Acts, There was a husband and wife team named Priscilla and Aquila. We first meet them in Acts chapter 18. 
Paul met Priscilla and Aquila in the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth will become a key place for Christianity. We have two large letters that Paul writes to the Corinthians in our New Testament. And we know that there were others, we just don't have them because he refers to those letters. Priscilla and Aquila were Jews, um, as many Christian converts were at that time. They had come to believe that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. They were also refugees. They had come from Italy uh, after they were forced to leave when Claudius, the Roman emperor, exposed all the Jews uh, to leave. And that took place in the year A.D. 49. The Roman historian Suetonius wrote that this happened because the Jews constantly made disturbances at the instigation of Crestus. Crestus is probably Christ. That's the way the name would have sounded. Probably a reference to Jesus Christ. And this may also be a reference to how those who came to claim the lordship of Jesus Christ were seen as a threat to the Roman Empire. They were seen as instigators who caused disturbances to the social order, to the religious order, because they said Jesus Christ was Lord, not Caesar. So they were refugees, Priscilla and Aquila, as was Jesus with his parents when they had to leave his home because of the threat of Herod, as were many of the earliest Christians who had to flee where they lived and their homes because of their faith. Christians have often found themselves throughout history fleeing religious persecution. They find themselves as refugees. It's part of the fabric of the history of our faith and should make us deeply sensitive to the just historic number of refugees in our world today. Priscilla and Aquila were a husband and wife team. Uh, the name Aquila, by the way, means eagle. The name Priscilla means ancient, venerated woman. It's interesting that with, with the exception of one time, with the exception of one time, whenever they are named together, and they're named several times in the New Testament, Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla's name is always first. Now, this could just be insignificant, just the way Luke wrote it, but usually in ancient writing and in the scriptures, men's name will come first as a statement of priority, and certainly in any list of names, it's usually very intentional how names are put. But one thing we find out about Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, is how intentional he is about giving special prominence to women. Throughout his gospel, in the book of Acts, Luke pays deep attention to women, to their faith, to their names, to their place in the movement of Jesus. He gives them names where the other gospel writers don't name them. In Acts, we find this when he highlights Lydia, who is a convert in Philippi and starts the church there, and he names Damaris, this kind of seemingly insignificant convert. And those are just some of the examples of Luke. It wasn't, in the scriptures, Aquila and his wife. It read Priscilla, named first, and then Aquila, a wife and a husband, together, serving, ministering, 
we learn more about this pair through some of the things that Paul writes, references in his letters in the New Testament. They're mentioned in three of Paul's letters. In Romans, Paul tells the Christians in Rome to greet Prissa and Aquila. Now, Prissa was short for Priscilla. Greet them. They work with me in Christ Jesus, and they have risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Priscilla and Aquila, they worked with Paul and they put their lives on the line for him and for the sake of Jesus, willing to go to the hard places to do the dangerous things that often those first Christians needed to do. And they were appreciated throughout the church of the Gentiles, causing everybody to give thanks when they heard about Priscilla and Aquila. We give thanks for them. And then in another letter, Paul writes this, Aquila and Prissa, that's the one time he puts Aquila first, Together with the church in their house, greet you warmly in the Lord. Well, we learn that they hosted a church in their house, using their resources for the sake of the body of Christ and other Christians. And then a third time, they're mentioned in 2 Timothy. Paul just gives greetings to them because he's now separated from them. In Acts 18, we read, Paul and Priscilla traveled with Paul from Corinth to Syria, And then from Syria to Ephesus, Paul goes on from Ephesus. He leaves, but Priscilla and Aquila stay there. And in Ephesus, they meet a man named Apollos. Enter another significant leader in the early Christian movement. Apollos, we find out, is from Alexandria, which was one of the great centers of learning in Egypt and in the ancient world. And Luke says this about Apollos. He describes him, number one, as a learned man who has a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. Now, remember, this would have been the Old Testament. There is no New Testament at this time. He knows thoroughly the Old Testament. And Apollos is described as someone who is instructed in the way of the Lord and someone who spoke with great fervor. We're also told that he taught the way of Jesus accurately, but he knew only the baptism of John. This is referring to John the Baptist, who baptized people for repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But John's baptism did not include the Holy Spirit. John himself said that one would come after him who was more powerful than he was and that he would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John's baptism didn't include that. That comes with Jesus and then after Jesus. We aren't told all the details of this, but apparently Apollos did not know about the Holy Spirit or certainly the fuller meaning of Christian baptism in light of Jesus. For whatever reason, he had no knowledge of that. Now, in 1 Corinthians, Apollos is mentioned a lot. You'll find his name quite a bit, particularly at the beginning. We discover that Apollos was so important and prominent in the church there that people were dividing into factions over Apollos and Paul. Some were following Apollos. They were in his camp. Some were in Paul and in his camp. And it suggests that Apollos kind of became on a parallel with Paul in terms of influence and importance. Now, Apollos and Paul weren't seeking this out, nor did they approve of it. Paul even tried to point the Corinthians. They say, get your focus on God, not on human leadership. 
He spoke against the divisions and the cliques that people were dividing up into. And he writes, he says, you know, me and Apollos, we're just servants of the Lord. Paul plants the seed. He said, Apollos waters the seed, but it's God who gives the growth. And he tells them that God is everything, not the human efforts of Apollos and Paul. Paul goes on to say that he and Apollos have a common purpose. They're servants. They're working together. And the point, though, of all this, the reason I bring it up is to just show the attention to Apollos and how vital he was in the leadership of the early church. He was a major voice. Before Apollos came into contact with Priscilla and Aquila, before this, um, in Ephesus, uh, he, he comes into contact with them, and Priscilla and Aquila hear Apollos speak one time in a synagogue. And we read that when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, Apollos, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. This is where I want to stop and give focus this morning. Priscilla and Aquila become mentors to Apollos. Apollos apparently needed to know the way of the Lord more adequately than he did. Even with his great learning, even with his great fervor, Apollos still needed to get some understanding. I mean, he had great gifts of leadership, of learning. He could speak persuasively, but... Apparently, he needed some fine-tuning. He needed to know the story of Jesus more adequately. He needed a fuller understanding. You know, the book of Acts shows us that it's not just okay to say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Priscilla and Aquila did not hear Apollos and think, well, you know, but he's so charming. He's so eloquent. He's so well-spoken. Let's just leave him alone. They didn't say to him, Apollos, just follow your heart. No, the early Christians insisted that there is correct belief and careful nurture of disciples that need this to take place. There is stuff to be right about and stuff to be clear about. Apollos was learned, but there was even more for him to learn. We never stop learning as Christians. We never stop learning. I have studied, I have read, I have been formally schooled, I have taught the Bible and the way of God for years, and I'm still learning. I'm still finding out more about the way of the Lord, what it, what it means, what it looks like, how it works, how to live it, how to share it with others. We need to know the scriptures, we need to know the story of God and who we are and how we fit in that. We promote that here. You know, we have classes, we have studies. Some of you get together with Bible studies and we encourage us to do that for ourselves. There's knowing just the fundamental basic beliefs of Christian faith. There's finding answers to some of the big questions of this world and how Christianity speaks to them. Apollos was apparently willing to learn. He wanted to know, he wanted to grow. And you know, no one can be mentored unless they're teachable. If I think I already know it all, or if I don't need to know anymore, I'm not going to go any farther in my faith. My faith is going to be stunted. Teachers and leaders especially need to be searching for more adequate training. In his commentary on the book of Acts, Ajith Fernando, Ajith Fernando, who was national director of Youth for Christ for 35 years in Sri Lanka, 
Ajith Fernando said, the truth of God is so vast that we will never plumb its depths or scale its heights. Thus, until the day we die, we can be learning. At the heart of a biblical attitude to the word is a childlike eagerness to be fed. And then Peter urged, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. This applies both to new and to mature Christians. And he says, we are all disciples of Christ, which means we are all learners. The graciousness of the helper and the teachableness of the helpee given environment conducive to even great scholars taking the role of helpy and learning new truths. You show me a Christian who is mature, who is well formed, who is deep and strong, and I will show you someone who's been mentored. We can attend worship and we can faithfully listen to the sermons and what's said and we can go on mission trips to exotic places and and we can attend Bible studies, and every one of those things are important, and they have their place. But there is nothing that will form us as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ like that personal mentoring. There's nothing like following wise, mature Christians who have and who continue to actively follow Christ, and they invest in us. Uh, If you want to be a solid Christian, if you want to know the content of what you believe and find your calling and be deep in faith that can withstand struggles and you want to be able to pour out to others, get mentored. If If I have been able to preach, if I have been able to teach, if I've been able to come alongside people in sickness or in the hospital or in death, if I have been able to lead worship or be able to nurture any other part of any church that I have ever pastored or do anything else to bring Christ to others, it is because someone has taken me under their wing and shown me how to do it. Pastors Ron Turner and Paul McCown in Richmond, California. Greg Meister in San Francisco. Dr. Dwayne Black in Pompano Beach, Florida. God, that was a hot summer, but man, I learned a lot. David Roper in Boise. I am so grateful for their influence in my life. They taught me how to read the Bible, how to teach it, how to pray, how to go to a hospital, how to stand at a graveside, how to run a stupid meeting, how to find leaders, how to meet people in Christ. You know what they did? They Priscilla and aquila me. That's what they did. That's what they did, and I'm grateful. There's a subtle but important phrase about Priscilla and Aquila's mentoring of Apollos. I don't want us to miss miss it. It says that they invited him to their home. We know from Paul's writing that that Priscilla and Aquila hosted a church in their home. It reveals they, they used their resources on behalf of others. They welcomed people to them. They were intentional about nurturing the body of Christ. It also shows a sense of hospitality. They open their lives. You know, it's not just about even the building, but it's opening our lives. Mentoring, you you can't... I mean, mentoring is not being at a distance. It takes sincere investment in someone. And, you know, sincere investment takes time and energy. 
Gordon MacDonald, longtime pastor and writer, points to what he calls the rabbinical model of mentoring. And how in Jesus' day, there were teachers called rabbis who traveled around and they gathered people around them and they taught. These were like the colleges or the seminaries of the day. And for these people, he said, it was life on life. They lived with the rabbi 24-7. They tried to study and emulate that rabbi. They didn't study books. They studied people. Uh, so you had essentially text people, not text books. You had text people. A rabbi would teach people the Old Testament, and by the time he was through with them, they would know what he knew, and they would go out and replicate that teaching with others. It was like a pyramid. This is how things went viral in those days. It seems like Priscilla and Aquila do life-on-life -life mentoring and teaching with Apollos. They are like um, text people for Apollos. Someone used the example of Sherpas as an image of what it means to be a mentor. I think that's a good image. You know, Sherpas have lived in Nepal for hundreds of years, and they take it upon themselves. They are guides for people who want to climb Mount Everest. Sherpas lead them in that. Uh, Sherpas know how to lead. They know how to protect the people. They know how to guide people. They know where the dangerous crevices lie. They know the best places to camp in the mountains at night. They know where the dangerous spots are and the things to stay away from. What a need we have for seasoned Sherpas in the ways of Jesus who can guide both young or just inexperienced Christians through faith, both good and in bad times. There's such a need to mentor people in a distinctly Christian life. I'm not talking about something casual. I'm talking about a distinctly Christian life. How do we live? How, how do I date as a Christian? How do we do a Christian marriage? How do I live my professional life as a Christian? How do we live our How do we raise our children? How do we nurture our communities? How do I face hardship? How do I face death? How do we live our lives to the fullest as disciples of Jesus Christ? If I could do one, if I could do one thing to further the larger church, it would be to mental, men, mentor people and promote mentoring in our churches. I am at a place now in my life, in my faith, where I just long more and more to pour into people who want to go deep in their walk with Christ. You know, listen to us talk about the goals for our lives. Boy, we got our bucket lists, don't we? And, and we want to run a marathon, or we want to get another degree or certificate, or we want to travel to this place and that place, and we'll give our time and our heart to those things. I haven't heard too many people, though, say, I want to be more formed as a Christian. I want to really know scripture and know how to pray and know what my faith is about and know how to be a servant and know how to talk about my faith. Priscilla and Aquila must have been effective mentors, effective Sherpas, because we read that Apollos eventually goes somewhere else. 
and we are told that he was a great help to those believers and that he was able to prove from scriptures who Jesus was. Would he have been that helpful to the cause of Christ without Priscilla and Aquila's influence in their lives, in his life? I don't think so. There are no powerful works of wonders or deeds in this part of Acts. There are no conversions in this part of Acts. Just a husband and a wife coming alongside a very gifted Christian. And that in itself is a great act in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, make us teachable and inspire us to be mentors to others. Grow us in our faith. Amen.